welcome to Pod Ventures and Odyssey. I'm Tatiana. And I'm Emily. Every week we re-listen to an episode of Adventures and Odyssey and then sit down to recap and discuss. Going in album order and we've made it all the way to album six and uh, today's episode is the second one. It is called A Prisoner for Christ. It's an imagination station adventure. It's our very second ever Imagination Station adventure. It's crazy. It feels like we've had many more between, but no. Yeah, it's like they gave us one in album five is its introduction, and then they kind of forever after talked about it like like it filled the role in the show that it always will from now on as like a very established thing that all the kids know and love, even though we've only ever seen one other kid know and love it. Many kids will know and love it in the future, and we can assume that more kids have been doing so in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so here at the beginning of this episode, we have a quiet afternoon in Wit's End, and Wit is taking the opportunity to do some work on the Imagination Station. Can I just say, he says to himself after he finishes doing (laughs) some work that sounds very mechanical in nature, well, that takes care of the software. (laughs) Oh, is that what he says? I thought you were going to make reference to his other line that was notable at the beginning of this scene, which was, Come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. I don't know why he said that. Why? Oh, man. That's really funny. Yeah, okay, so there's mechanical sounds. And that was apparently him programming the computer. Sure. We can assume that it makes all kinds of various sound effects you in know, response to programming. It's it's one of them it's one of them war games computers, you know? Big and full of mechanical moving parts. Uh-huh. I've seen war games before. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've never seen, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Is the about. computer it like fills an entire room? It's one of those really, really like old I don't know. When did that movie come out? We're not about to go into a War Games tangent at the very beginning of this episode. (laughs) Point being that, sure, you can have mechanical sounds when you're messing with software. Yeah. Why not? Seriously, though, the spider to the fly reference, I know it's like a little, like, nursery rhyme type saying, but I don't know why he says it. He's opening a door. Is he entering the imagination station? Is he imagining that... The imagination station is the spider's parlor, and mm-hmm. he is the spider inviting all the children inside. That's very incredibly sinister. It's the only way I can think to interpret it. You know, who can say? We certainly can't. We would be the people who would try, but I don't know. We gave it a shot. You know, I kind of have to wonder if this line was originally in the script, or if Hal was <laughs> just like... Yeah, this is the actor just kind of... Ad living, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Um, but as he he's just, you know, muttering to himself as an inventor does, in runs Nicholas Adamsworth in a panic. Eugene's gonna kill me, Eugene's gonna kill me. We haven't seen Nicholas Adamsworth in a hot second. But hey, he's still at the college doing good. Yeah, or is he doing good? <laughs> He's in some more computer troubles. Um, but yeah, Eugene's gonna kill him. And uh, he and Wit kind of fight over the door. And I love what Wit says yeah. in response, which is, Eugene's not gonna kill you. I don't think he's capable. Eugene isn't going to kill anybody. <laughs> like, like, have you seen Eugene, Nicholas? Have you seen him? Okay, but 
What does Whit mean when he says he's not capable of it? I'm physically. Physically. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I think it's implied in like the whole, I don't know, all of what Eugene is that he couldn't. You know, demeanor, personality, physical ability, and stature. <laughs> Eugene is like a semi-cooked pasta noodle. <laughs> I will say I was disappointed that Eugene wasn't actually in this episode. Ah, uh, yeah. But it is to mirror the story that Nicholas is about to experience in the Imagination Station. Right, because... Uh... Nicholas relates exactly why Eugene is going to kill him, which is that they are in the same computer theory course at the college, and Eugene came up with this really cool design, he just really wanted to see it, and he trashed the program in the process. Yay. <laughs> Yay, computers. <laughs> what a nightmare. And Nicholas really wants Wit to hide him. Just, you know, let him hide in the imagination station. <laughs> and Wit... Wit negotiates, like, all right, well, if you, if you gotta be here, like, do me a favor. Do me a flavor. Do you remember those ads? <laughs> no. I only remember that phrase. I don't know what it's an advertisement for. Something in the 90s. I mean, the phrase was familiar, but I couldn't pin what it was from. If you remember, do me a flavor. <laughs> Please send us an email to podventuresandodyssey at gmail.com. Solve this mystery for us. I know this is a mystery that could be solved by Google, but... But you could Google it and email us, because I'm going to forget before we're done recording. It's true. Listeners have emailed, like, questions for us before. It's been very handy. Yeah. So thank you for listeners who have ever solved mysteries on our behalf. We appreciate you. We do. But uh, the favor is to try out this brand new Imagination Station program. Mm -hmm. Is Nicholas familiar with the New Testament? Uh, maybe, I don't know. I've, I've only read it several times. He's like, several times? Several times, okay. Okay. All right, 11-year-old child, you're, you're qualified. And, and here's an interesting tidbit. As they are talking about this, Nicholas is like, oh, so this is the Imagination Station. Like, Eugene has talked about it, and he describes it. He describes it as looking like a big hot water tank laying on its side. What does that look like, though? Well, I'm picturing, like, the boiler that we have. It's probably not like that. What if it was, though, like that? A and then it just cylinder? had, like, a like a hatch that opens a on, hatch the front on the side. That's or... got, like, a little porthole, maybe. Yeah, that Like, could imagine. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I've never imagined it as a hot water tank before. I literally picture the time machine from... The movie by the same name. The early 2000s version. 2001. Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> so 2001, An Adventures in Odyssey is about to commence. As Nicholas steps inside and the door closes, he's like, nice effect. Nice sound effect. Yeah, yeah. you mean sound effect? Or, is, like, okay, well, there's a question. Are there actual, like, sound effects that Mr. Whitaker has programmed it to make through the speakers? Or is it the actual sound of hydraulics in the door or something? I mean, that's a good question. There are machines that are programmed to make sound, even though they don't need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly vehicles, because it's mm -hmm. safer mm -hmm. for people if they can hear a vehicle coming. So, yeah, we need the Imagination Station door to make sounds so that we know when it's closing. 
Yeah, don't want to get your fingers caught. Mm Mm-hmm. Is important. Okay, so it's ambiguous, but Nicholas approves. And uh, in he goes, and he experiences the whole press the red button launch. Whoa. It's exciting, if somewhat predictable. I'm like, how... How do you predict what this is about to be? What would your imagination be if you had, like, never seen something like this? Maybe he's seen Star Wars, and it looks like hyperspace. That's what I've always a little bit pictured. Oh, yeah, like the tunnel of stars that can just, mm-hmm. like, shoot past you. Yeah, to give the, like, impression of sudden movement. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's had Eugene tell him about it, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's not, like, completely in the dark about what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the door opens onto a busy city street in ancient times with people and animals and all this stuff. Man, that effect never gets old. Yeah. It is so compelling. It's like, yeah, we're in Rome now. We're yeah. definitely in Rome. We're in Rome, which Nicholas finds out by asking a dude who is like, are you dumb? <laughs> I just, I I never get tired of how the people in the Imagination Station treat the kids mm-hmm. who come in like, what do you mean this is a machine? What are you talking about? Do you have heat stroke? Do we need a doctor? Um, no, Nicholas Nicol- like gets with the program pretty quickly. Uh, he, he just accepts that he's in Rome uh, and is very much enjoying it when all of a sudden a dude runs up to him, bumps into him, and he's on the run. No, we's on the run. <laughs> Come with me, child. I find it funny how quickly Nicholas gets caught up Mm -hmm. in this little escapade. Like, why do you think you're on the run from whoever this is chasing you in a chariot? We're on the run. We're all on the run together. Maybe it's one of those, like, he saw you help me, so now you're a target too. That's a very convenient plot device in, like, all spy thrillers. Nicholas, like, who are we running from? That guy? That guy! That guy! There's, like, a dude behind them coming up on a chariot. And here is a really great dialogue trope, which is that the dude yells, Flavius commands you to halt! (laughs) And I was like, okay, so this is Flavius, I gather? And then I was thinking to myself, like, man, why don't I live such a life that organically it comes up that I yell my own name as I do action? You know? It does, though. Does it? Yeah. I've never once yelled, Tatiana commands you to halt! I mean, not like that, but... Maybe you don't use third-person pronouns, but you have the same energy. I mean, I sometimes do, but this is like the dialogue trope where a person just announces their name in a very inorganic way. (laughs) It's like, just so you know who I am! It is me, Tatiana, at the grocery store, (laughs) buying this egg. Just one, please. Tis I, Rob the cashier. Are you sure you only want one egg? Yes, Rob. Also, Rob, you didn't need to say that because it's on your name tag. (laughs) I don't know how you become like Flavius is what I'm saying, and I don't know if I should. Flavius is angry. You don't want to be like Flavius. Yeah, no. Flavius is mad. Flavius is chasing them down. Uh, They hide in an alleyway as he dramatically passes them by. uh, And then they get to actually introduce themselves. Nicholas, are you Greek? No, No, I'm not Greek. I'm from Odyssey. 
the running gag for the rest of forever. Yep, that's, that's, how can you be from a Greek city and not be Greek? Mm-hmm, and Nicholas, oh. Nicholas drops it pretty quickly. <laughs> this is, you know, you gotta pick what hills you, you fight and die on. Um, and this is not the one. Uh, Onesimus, though, is the name of this guy who's running from Flavius, and he's hiding from Flavius, who is a slave catcher. Mm-hmm. Why are you <laughs> hiding from a slave catcher? Well, it's because I'm a slave. Yeah. I'm a runaway. Surprise, surprise. Running away from his master, Philemon, who lives in Colossae, which is about a thousand miles from Rome. He's like, well, why is this guy chasing you? A thousand miles seems like a long way. He's like, well... About that. <laughs> it's not a free journey. Yeah, journey of a thousand miles uh, begins with a single step, and every step from then on costs you eight dollars. <laughs> it was eight thousand. Wait, no, eight dollars per step. Oh no, I've dramatically, <laughs> dramatically overestimated. Uh, eight uh, million was, dollars. Yeah, eight million billion dollars. I was gonna say like eight thousand dollars because of the thousand miles, but he's taken one step per mile. <laughs> He has long striding boots. Yeah, that Onesimus. He got long leggies. Um, this is an episode of all episodes I didn't expect to go off the rails this badly. We can get back on the rails. Let's get back on the rails. He's stealing a horse. Yeah, he's stolen $8,000 and now he's stealing a horse. And they hop on the horse and they make a break for it, but... Flavius sees them and now it's another chase. In the name of Caesar, I command you to halt! And they run to a more crowded area. Oh, a classic chase trope. Into the marketplace. Like, that's gonna be better. I'm like, on a horse, really? In the marketplace? But, I mean, better yeah. than a chariot. I know. See, the thing about the chariot is I feel like they would do better on foot because, like, the chariot would be too bulky in the streets. You would think. Yeah. But, I mean, they're on a horse now. So the horse is able to jump this big old wagon that the chariot is going to crash into, guarantee you. Uh, and it does, and as that happens, Onesimus is like, that's what happens when you don't pay attention to where you're riding. Ho, 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 ho. Onesimus, Onesimus, look where you're yeah, riding! Yeah, 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 Onesimus is about to fall into your own trap, um, and they get launched into a fountain. Oh, wonderful. Onesimus has hurt his ankle in the process, and they still need to keep running, and he's like, we have to go! We gotta go! Flavius is coming. Flavius is a Terminator. And then the most shady thing happens, which is that a man in an alley beckons them to follow him into a sewer. Yeah, he's like, come here, you two. But they do, because it's like, I mean, what do we have to lose? It's either Flavius the Terminator or this guy. This guy who doesn't sound sketchy. He doesn't sound sketchy, but he's doing something sketchy. Yeah. And yeah, down they go into the sewer, and the guy's like, all right, now we can talk to each other because nobody's going to find us. So I'm Epaphras, and I watched the whole thing. Did you know Epaphras? Very entertaining. <laughs> Q, Nicholas sounds like a Greek name. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Repeat, repeat that joke. Uh, and uh, Epaphras from Colossae, which Nicholas points out, oh, hey, Onesimus, that's where you're from established that they actually know each other because of Philemon. A mutual acquaintance. Surprise. Uh, and Onesimus demands sanctuary from Epaphras. 
because under Roman law, a slave may seek sanctuary if their life is in danger. Mm-hmm. And I guess Flavius is a danger to his life. Yeah. I know. I was like, is Flavius actually going to kill him at this point? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it it works. They follow the script, but um, there's a problem, which is that Epaphras is not the owner of the home where he's staying. So he can't actually grant sanctuary. They got to go to that house. And so they go, and when they come there, they find out that the man who lives there is under house arrest. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, so he's a criminal. A criminal. You've come to a criminal's house. Uh, the way that it comes about is kind of interesting, because Nicholas sees the Roman guard outside and is like, oh, cool, this must be a rough neighborhood, and he's here to protect us. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah, and Onesimus is like, um, no, I'm pretty sure that guy is trying to guard whoever is inside. And then comes the question, is is this a safe place for us to be right yeah. now? <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire? I mean, a man in an alley told us to follow him into the sewers, and mm-hmm. then he brought us to this house. We don't know who this is. Mm-hmm. And he's a criminal. Yep. Uh, I guess we're about to find out whether or not he is better than Flavius. But who could it be? Audience, surely you've guessed. Surely you know. Surely you you know the... The person who is in house arrest in Rome. It's none other than Paul, the Apostle Paul. The actual Apostle Paul, who is a very old-sounding Mr. Whitaker. I know, I was like, hey, that's Wit. It's Wit. Um, he's doing a good voice, though. And uh, it surprised me how old he sounds until I remembered that, oh yeah, Paul was like pretty old at that point. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas is amazed. He finally puts the pieces together. I'm like, Rome? The runaway slave, Epaphras, house arrest, it all comes together. Paul was the final piece. Mm -hmm. And the puzzle is Paul, also. (laughs) He's the piece of the puzzle, and he's also the puzzle himself. Like those puzzles made out of pieces that are just pictures of people. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but it sounds insane. (laughs) There's a Paul-shaped piece of this puzzle that is also a puzzle of Paul's face. We're doing really well with metaphors today. We're on it. Uh, that's our mid-episode. Now we come straight back to Nicholas just losing his mind mm-hmm. that he's talking to the Apostle Paul, the second most important person in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Very much gushing. And uh, Paul just Paul just has no idea what's going on. It's like the what? Yeah, he's very, very politely confused. And uh, he asks uh, Epaphras, like, "Eh, how long did you have these people in the sewer? Like, are they good? (laughs) Are you sure they're all right? And uh, Nicholas calms himself down. Uh, And uh, Onesimus takes this opportunity to demand sanctuary Mm -hmm, once again. mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Flavius has found the house and he's knocking on the door, demanding that they open up. Bang, bang, bang on the door. And uh, they they have a little bit of debate because Onesimus keeps insisting, like, I'm not going back. That's his whole deal is you're, nobody's going to make me go back there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul is like, well, like, what are you going to do? Run away on your gimpy ankle? <laughs> and uh, Flavius, uh, they, they let him in. And he's under arrest for harboring a slave. Yes. Paul is. Yes. But this slave has demanded sanctuary. And Flavius says, is this true? And then Paul agrees that he is giving him sanctuary, which we had not established yet. 
he did not agree to it prior to this, but now he is protecting Onesimus. And Flavius is like, mm, all right, fine, but there's a bunch of damages from the market today. And the fountain. Mm-hmm. And Onesimus, who has no money at this point, is like, <laughs> But Paul agrees to pay it. Yeah, he asks, like, okay, well, what are the damages? And, like, tell me what they are and I'll pay them. And I like Flavius's response is just, like, uh, it's not your debt, though. Like, he literally can't compute it. He's not like, uh, oh, wow, that's so nice of you. <laughs> He's just like, um, what? I'm sorry? Say that again? Uh-huh. I feel like this is one way in which the this episode is doing a good job of, like, reminding us how different the cultural context was back then. Uh-huh. Where it's like we, for the most part, um, like us and most of our audience probably have been raised in, like, a modern Western culture uh, where we have a lot of Judeo-Christian values just baked in mm-hmm. for the last, like, 2,000 years, yeah. give or take. And, uh, and so, like, this notion of, like, paying somebody's debt is, you know, is part of our whole... I don't know, it's part of our cultural psyche. Like, we get it. We have a, a story reference for that, which is the gospel. It makes sense to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but, like, in ancient Rome, this dude is like, you're doing what? Like, you're losing your mind? That's not a thing that people do for each other. What's your angle? Paul makes the argument, though, that, like, there's no benefit to you arresting him because you won't have those debts repaid if you just take him to prison. Mm-hmm. At least this way, you'll get the money, you'll get to do the repairs... What does it matter to you? And Flavius is kind of blown away. He's like, uh, okay, wow, you are a good man. Much too good for the likes of him. And then he pieces out. Goodbye, Flavius. Goodbye, Terminator Flavius. (laughs) A good side character. Onesimus is also blown away by this, and he's like, why did you do that for me? Mm Paul doesn't tell him the answer straight out. He kind of builds the story a little bit more of like, once upon a time I was in your shoes, except my debt was even greater. It was so big that even if I worked for eternity, I couldn't pay it off. Mm -hmm. But somebody paid it for me. And ever since then, I've done the same for other people. Onesimus wants to know who is this man that repays unpayable debt? Who indeed? And Paul will tell him everything he wants to know and starting with the man's name twas jesus 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 Jesus. is there an echo i don't remember there is an echo there is okay well uh we fast forward now uh nicholas is sort of taken out of the scene and uh is a little bit confused until he reappears and epaphras sees him and is like oh we haven't seen you in several weeks Nicholas is quick to get with the program. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, that's why it happened. Got you. I thought it was going to be the end of the episode, and I was like, wait, that can't be where it ends. And (laughs) No, there's more drama, Um, which is that uh, Onesimus has become a believer in the preceding weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he has become very useful to Paul. They've been, like, real pals. And Epaphras chuckles to himself because this is a pun. Onesimus actually means useful. Oh. Oh. So very appropriate because he used to be kind of useless. I mean, we, we didn't really know him that well. It just seemed like he was robbing people and causing damage. So yeah, I guess, I guess he was kind of useless. 
But now, I don't know what he's been doing to help Paul, but they have been working closely together. Which is beautiful. And it's his baptism, that's why there's a party. And after his baptism, he's gonna return to Philemon. <gasps> no, Nicholas is like, wait a what? You can't do that. I gotta go talk to him, he's going crazy. So Nicholas runs into where Onesimus is praying and asks him, like, what, what on earth? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You worked so hard to escape. Why? Why? And Onesimus gives basically the whole, I'm a changed man because of my faith spiel mm -hmm. of like, even though I have had a change of heart, I need to correct the mistakes that I made before mm -hmm. I became a believer. Yeah, his, his living with Paul and everything... And I'm sure he's been, like, learning about the faith and everything. And it's, like, it's not like you're not saved. Oh, that's going to come up later again, too. Mm -hmm. uh, issues of salvation versus issues of, I don't know, right and wrong and obedience and disobedience. Yeah. Um. So, but, yeah, he's, like, you know, he's saved, but he still needs to actually work towards correcting the wrongs that he did. And uh, one of those was running away and stealing all that money. So he's going to go back. Yep. And also, Paul is going to write a letter to his master to help plead his case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said Paul has written a super nice letter. That That's one reason why he's not afraid to go back. And the other reason is that God is with him no matter what. Yeah. So, would you like to stay for the baptism? Nicholas is like, yes! Yes! Oh, yes! Who wouldn't want to stay for a baptism? And uh, Paul and somebody else are giving really nice blessings during this baptism. And Vanessimus quotes Psalm 32. Um, I think uh, just the beginning of it about when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. But when I admitted my sin, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Very much relevant to his conversion experience and his plan to return. Must be a pretty big deal. Like, I can't imagine being in a situation like this. I know, like, literally escaping servitude and then deciding to return mm -hmm. to that. Like, a thousand miles away. Somebody that you stole, like, $8,000 from. <laughs> More like $8 million from. <laughs> but yeah, Onesimus is baptized and everyone rejoices, including <laughs> Nicholas. Nicholas, I wrote... Nicholas is feeling it. He, he is. is like, amen. He's so into it. He's still saying it when the adventure ends. Yep. And the door opens up and uh, he talks to Wit about it and how incredible it was to see everything and asks him like, okay, so like what happened next? Like what became of Onesimus? Well, no one knows for sure, but we have some ideas. We like think that Philemon freed him mm -hmm. after finding out that he was his brother in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to become a leader in the Church of Ephesus. That is how church tradition goes. And also that once he was the leader of the church in Ephesus, he actually helped compile the New Testament. Yeah. Which, like, dang. And Nicholas, from all of this, takes away. So, like, you want me to go back to Eugene, right? Is that what this is all about? <laughs> It's like, well, that's your decision, but uh, it would be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So Nicholas is like, all right, I will go back. But I just wish there was a way to smooth things over. 
Well, let's take a cue from uh, from the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. Wit writes him a letter. Dear Eugene, fade to black. Chris is so happy that Wit's doing this for Nicholas. Mm-hmm. What a lovely way to end the story. And Chris suggests that we all go read the book of Philemon with our parents. So yeah, It's a good book. Mm-hmm. The shortest. No. Yeah, the shortest. It's, uh, if not the shortest, it's one of the shortest. It's like a page. Well, there you have it. That's the episode. Do we have any discussion questions we want to talk about? Never not. All right, we got discussion questions. First of which is, why was Nicholas so afraid of Eugene? I mean... <laughs> why was Nicholas afraid of a barely wet pasta noodle? That's a good question. Eugene couldn't hardly hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. I think he was more afraid of the disappointment that Eugene would have in him, probably. I don't think he actually thought Eugene was capable of murder. (laughs) Or even physically harming him, but like, I don't know, I guess afraid of the damage to their relationship and the pain of going through that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's easier to just never see someone ever again. (laughs) Pack your bags and move away. Time to leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, Jacob, there is something to the notion of, like, give them a few years to cool off. Uh Uh-huh. Not in this instance, and I don't know if I'm actually endorsing that policy, but... (laughs) Maybe not years, but, like, minutes? Hours? Yeah, you know, give them some time to, uh, experience the emotion Mm -hmm. of the pain that you inadvertently or deliberately put them through. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe send a messenger in your stead to be like, hey, I'm not hiding from you. I just want to make sure that, you know, we don't say things that we don't mean the next time we meet. (laughs) If you want to talk, I will be at wit's end. (laughs) So question two is spicier. Oh. Have you ever repaid someone's debt? And if so, when? I feel like if I had, I would remember it more readily. It's the kind of thing, like, where you, like, you end up buying lunch for the table or something, you know, like, those kinds of things kind of come to mind. Yeah. Like, spotting a friend. Boy, one time, uh, I went to a restaurant because I really wanted these nachos, and I stood in line for, like, a long time, and, uh, there was, like, a guy in front of me, and we ended up talking, and then when we got to the very front of the line, I realized that I had forgotten my wallet, which, like, never happens to me, ever. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the only time in my life I can remember that happening. And then I was like, oh, I gotta go. And he was like, why? And I was like, I forgot my wallet. And he was like, no, 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 I will, I will buy you nachos. And I was like, thank you, that's Aww. so nice. <laughs> super, super nice. That's really sweet. It was super kind of him. I know, it's like, maybe the things like that kind of stick in one's mind more. Kind of the same way with Paul. It's like, you don't forget stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I do remember one time that my dad, when we were eating out when I was really little, he, like, paid for the meal for a family at another table. That's so sweet. And I don't remember why he did it. I think there was something he must have overheard from them that Mm -hmm. made him feel like he was compelled to do so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my, my, my parents will do stuff like that occasionally (laughs) i just have memories of little moments like that growing up non-monetary debts kind of come to mind and i'm like trying to figure out how that works if you pay like i mean like jesus paid for our sins but like in a small way we 
when we forgive somebody, we're doing that, like extending that grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible talks about it as a debt that is to be paid. So I feel like when we forgive each other, we are repaying that debt on somebody else's behalf or releasing them from debt more like. Yeah. So maybe it's not directly the same thing. But it does feel like it's related. Mm-hmm. It would be like if Philemon was like, never mind about the money, which hopefully is what happened. We hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we go to question three? Sure. Which is a very interesting one. Yeah, I'm curious. Interesting to think of children needing to answer these questions. Um, is it important to be baptized? Okay. <laughs> and also bullet points, why or why not? And what does your church believe about baptism? We are a church from the Baptist tradition mm-hmm. at our core, so uh, we do believe it's very important. I actually grew up in a church tradition that did not think it was necessary for salvation. Mm-hmm. So that our was a shift also. for me. Well, yeah. we don't think it's necessary. Okay, here, here's the thing that one of the <clears throat> head pastors said years ago um, that my mom told me was told to her, because she actually got baptized at our church. Yeah, I remember. Um, so what I was told is uh, it's not about salvation, it's just about obedience. Because mm-hmm. the Bible says to be baptized, so they just say, you know, so, so be baptized then. <laughs> yeah. It's a sacrament that the Bible tells us to participate in, um, but it's not a matter of, of life or death. Much like communion. Yeah, it says do it, you know, so we should do it. But it's not going to, like, determine if you live or die spiritually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's that's my opinion about it as well. So I think it is important to be baptized, but um, it's important to be baptized when you are ready, like when it's appropriate, mm-hmm. which is when you want to publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus in your community of believers. And not just because you feel like you should, but when you actually like believe. I have a memory, and maybe this is just Christian school kids Mm -hmm. who do this, but I went to a birthday party in fourth grade, and there was a hot tub in the backyard, and one of the games we played was baptism, (laughs) where literally we just took turns baptizing each other. (laughs) Oh my god, that's like the most Christian school, Christian kid culture thing I've ever heard. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, sometimes kids play cops and robbers, and sometimes they play baptism. Well, do you have any final thoughts about this episode? It was great seeing Nicholas again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we get to see him again for a very long time. Yeah. I think it is absolutely lovely that the very first Imagination Station episode, the writers were like, time for the crucifixion. And the very second episode, they were like, let's do Philemon. <laughs> like, you know, it's not it's not one of those Bible stories that's like one of the Sunday school hits, you know? It's not uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments or Parting the Red Sea. It's not Daniel in the lion's den. It's not Jonah and the whale. It's not any of these other, you know, big... Goliath, you know, take your pick. There are all these things. But uh, a lot of these actually, now that I mention it, Ozzy had already done them in canon at this point, with the exception of, like, Moses content. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, of all the things in time and space and history and the Bible that you could have picked, they were like, 
let's do this one. And it's great. I mean, it's a really fun, straightforward dramatization of a neat story. So cool. Cool that they picked that. It's one of the few that doesn't include, like, copious amounts of bodily harm. Mm-hmm, true. So maybe they wanted a hard pivot after the crucifixion. True. They're like, maybe something a little bit less intense. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, cool. Good job. Good job, Odyssey. That's all that I have. I think that's all I have, too. It's a very straightforward episode. Mm-hmm. It's a good Adventures in Odyssey episode. I think the only other thing that will stick with me is that little pithy line from Wit at the beginning that I still do not understand. They come into my parlor? That would be the one. Come into my imagination station, said the inventor to the child. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it for this episode. Uh, If you have any thoughts about this episode, please let us know. Send us your thoughts to either our email at podventuresandodyssey at gmail.com or you can start a thread going on our Reddit, r slash podventuresandodyssey. We check one of these more frequently than the other, but... But we won't tell you which one. (laughs) Next time, we will be discussing the episode Good Business. That's going to be fun. Join us. Join us. We haven't even listened to it yet, but we have a lot of thoughts. So look forward to that, and thank you for joining us on our Podventure and Odyssey. Catch you later, Cat's Paws! As Nikki steps inside, I should not call him Nikki. No. <laughs> Don't be a Richard. <laughs>